Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. One of the focus for our church this year is the whole idea of bringing on earth as it is in heaven. It's seeing the, the expression of the kingdom worked out of our lives. No matter where we are or what we're doing, we have that opportunity to respond to what God and what the Holy Spirit is leading us into. You know, uh, scripture tells us that uh, this life is but a, a puff of mist. It's so short, this life. We have the time we have here compared to all of eternity. Yet it's this moment, this time, that actually shapes our eternity. The decisions that we make, the things that we do, actually shape where we're going to end up. Does that make sense? So we've got to make the most of this time. And that's why we want to continue to really encourage this whole idea of responding to God. See, it's not just limited to when we're here at church or the next big conference or event or anything like that. We're here to see God move in every single moment of our life. No matter where we are, what we're doing, who we're with, we've got to first see and engage with those opportunities and then be able to respond with those opportunities. Smith Wigglesworth, I'm sure we've probably all heard of him, he's a famous evangelist. And he saw a lot of miracles in his life and he put it this way. The key to the mighty miracles he saw can be found in two words, only believe. There is something about believing God that makes God willing to pass over a million people just to anoint you. And that's the key to it, isn't it? It's faith. Faith, that's what we've got to take into, carry into our lives and everything that we do. You know, and quite often, a lot of these times, these opportunities come up unexpectedly too, don't they? When we least expect them, we're presented with this opportunity to respond. We either respond or we don't respond. Sometimes it's a split-second decision that we make. We've got to respond. We've got to learn. It's a discipline, do we? We've got to learn to respond to the opportunities to share the gospel. Well, I'll tell you what, actually, we've probably got... This is a good example. If you look to the screens, we've got a clip here. This is a great example of seizing the moment in being able to share the gospel. Then again, here we go. Hey, Mark, excuse me. I'm on my way to 3768. Kind of got hung up. It's raining out here. I'm on my way into Dallas. Uh, Jerry's probably going to be calling you to find out uh, where I'm at if he can't get a hold of me, I'm sure. So, uh, thought, whoa, whoa. Man, I just had a wreck right in front of me. This guy ran a red light and hit uh, hit four old ladies in a in an Impala. Just kind of clipped them and turned them around right in front of me. Man, that was close. Oh, now this guy's getting out of his car. He's got a he's got a white shirt on with a tie and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's throwing his hands up in the air like he like like it was their fault. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. He's going over their window. She's rolling down the window. Oh, man, she, I think she sprayed him with pepper spray, man. He's on his, he's on his face and he's on his knees. She's getting out. She's beating him with an umbrella. <laughs> the other women are getting out, too. <laughs> ah, there's one woman with a little black person. She's tired of hugging him, man. She looks, she looks like a sun belt 20, 20 horse. Oh, there's another one that it's a little woman that looks like Mother Goose. 
Bible films. I see the name in there with a Bible. <laughs> she picked this Bible up and she lifted it way over her head. It was it was a hardback NBI version. <laughs> oh, they still beat the hell out of this guy. Uh, she picked this Bible up and raised it up above her head and just beamed the guy. This guy's not getting up. Oh, uh, they're still, oh, God, they're still hitting them. The one with the little black person is still, all oh, pieces of Oh, uh, uh, okay, he's up on the car. Uh, the little woman just beamed him again with that big bag. Uh, he, he, he's running to his car. He's out of here. go can i tell you i am positive one time coming home from church i saw jason isaac witnessing to a person in that exact same manner on the way from church on the side of the road i'm sure it was you so look truth be known you know what it actually doesn't have a lot to do with what i'm talking about i just think that's so funny that i wanted to share it with you guys so i kind of stretched it to fit it in if that makes sense yeah i saw this as my opportunity before ben takes the mic away from me i've got to take advantage of it Look, as I said, these opportunities come up quite often at unexpected moments. I just want to share with you one of those moments that happened for me. And this was something that was probably one of the most overt um, experiences that I've had outside of church, um, church setting. But uh, it was probably just over 10 years ago now. I was still in the police force at the time. Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was working in the northern suburbs. I was stationed out there. Sunday afternoon, I'd arrive for work. Usually when you walk into the police station at a change of shift, there's a lot of people there, as you would imagine. So by this time I walked in, it was just no one was around, it was just vacant. So I thought it was a bit strange, so I went upstairs, got changed, came down ready for the start of my shift. Still no one was around, but I could hear a lot of commotion going on down the back of the police station. So I made my way down there, and sure enough, there's all the guys standing there where we had our interview rooms. Uh, they were standing outside one of the interview rooms, and there's a two-way mirror so they could actually look. And there's a, a guy that they had arrested earlier that day and he was inside the interview room and he was carrying on. They had to remove all the furniture because he'd been throwing that around in the interview room. Uh, you know, the guys, my colleagues, were yelling at him, telling him to, you know, to shut up, be quiet, all this kind of stuff. And he would repeat, I'd notice, he would just constantly reply with this same phrase. He would just say, you have no authority over me. Satan's your father, you can't tell me what to do. So automatically kind of twig and think, okay, there's something going on here. It's not just a psych patient that they've picked up. So I found out a bit about this guy's background. They'd arrested him that morning. He'd gone into one of the local pubs, had become infatuated with one of the female staff there at the pub, and actually followed her into the female toilets, was banging on the cubicle there, telling her to, that he was God, to come out to worship him and, and have her sins forgiven, that type of stuff. So obviously police were called. They came down, arrested him under the Mental Health Act, and took him back to the station, and that's where we are at that point. Well, he was carrying on, and nothing that uh, my colleagues would say or do would stop that from happening. 
So I got fed up with it after a while. So I ended up just calling out to him through the door. He couldn't see me, but through the door I said to him, be quiet, turn around, sit in the corner and don't speak or move again. So with that, he immediately said back, called back out to me, said, who gives you the right to do that? And without even thinking, I just responded, said, my father gives me that right, now do it. So with that, he went quiet, turned, sat in the corner. Well, my colleagues are looking at me thinking, what is going on here? Um, but I think they kind of figured, well, at least this guy shut up now, we can go off to do our own thing. So they went off. Anyway, it's up to me and my partner then, being the afternoon shift, to take this guy, to transport him down to the hospital for his psych assessment. So we did that, so we opened the door, and this is the first time that this guy actually had line of sight of me. And before I even opened my mouth, he just looked at me and said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah, I know. Yeah, I am. So you recognise now, it's not just someone who has some mental health issues. This is the demonic coming out in him. So we transported him down to the hospital. We put him, took him to the emergency ward. We sat him in his own secluded room uh, in the emergency ward there. And as is typical, uh, you tend to wait for several hours before the psych triage come out and actually assess the guy so we're babysitting him for quite some time so he's in this room by himself I stood in the in the doorway the door was open so we could actually see each other and then my partner was sitting in the hallway just nearby but out of line of sight from this gentleman who's sitting on a just on a chair so this guy would look at me that we had arrested and he was looking at me he's quoting scriptures to me but it was very noticeably twisting the meaning of those scriptures and trying to obviously trying to test me and trying to catch me off guard so I would try and speak to the to the person but I quite often would be met with this kind of demonic manifestation saying no you're not allowed to speak to him no you're not allowed to ask that question and kind of that went on for for quite some time so there for a while after a while my partner said to me look do you want to swap spots you've been standing there for a while you can have a seat I'll stand up so we swapped spots my partner now was standing in the doorway in sign of light of sign sight of this gentleman as soon as he stood there this guy just started laughing at him like quite an evil kind of laugh and he's just saying to him you're going to hell and my partner's saying he goes mate I don't care what you say I don't believe in any of that stuff so and this guy's just laughing he goes you're going to hell you're going to hell when you're a child you had this 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 happened to you you did this you did this you did and just listed off all these things and with that my partner just turned pale white and he just looked at me, he's going, what on earth is going on here? He used stronger words than that, but he said, what on earth is going on here? And I said to him, my partner said, do you want to swap back? And he goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> so he swapped back, he sat down again and I stood up in the doorway. Well, while I was standing in the doorway, I just started praying. Just in my mind, wasn't, wasn't verbal, wasn't even moving my lips. I just started praying over and over in my mind. Holy Spirit, let your pure holy light flood into this room and into this man's life. So as I did that, as soon as I started praying or thinking that, that prayer over and over in my mind, this man, his hands, both hands would shoot up to his eyes and just cover his eyes. He just turned tense and rigid. Well, the first time it happened, I kind of just saw the movement out of the corner of my eye. I looked at him thinking, wondering, what is, what's he doing? So I stopped praying and as soon as I stopped praying, his hands would come away from his eyes. Took me a while to kind of register actually my prayers are actually effective. A bit slow on the uptake sometimes, but I started praying again, again, just thinking that prayer straight away. Again, his hands come up to his eyes, all tense. I stopped the second time. As soon as I stopped the second time, he took his hands away again. By now, I've actually cottoned on. So I start praying again. Same thing, just repeating those same words over and over in just my mind and my thoughts. Again, his hands go up to his eyes and he's tense and rigid. 
By this time, the cyclist, I saw the cyclist approaching me down towards the corridor. So I stopped praying again, ready to kind of greet the, the cyclist. And that third time that I stopped, the man took his hands away from his eyes again and then just looked up at me and said, gee, the Holy Spirit's strong. I said, yes, I know he is, mate. So that was that. And that was one of those encounters. You know what? I responded. I didn't even, I probably wasn't even half the time aware of how I was responding. I just responded. But it's those moments like that, I, I suppose I could have even made the choice of not to react or respond that way. The beauty of it is, unfortunately, we didn't really get to help that gentleman. But do you know how many opportunities it opened up for me to speak to my colleagues about that, about church, about God? There's such a flow-on effect when we choose and we recognise and acknowledge those opportunities to respond, that we have to respond in faith. And sometimes they're quite big things, overt things like that. Sometimes they're just little decisions that we make that can actually have that flow-on effect into other areas of our life and, and uh, those around us. If you've got your Bibles there, I want to talk, uh, get you to turn to Mark 5, starting at verse 25. Uh, 25. It'll be up on the screens here. Oh no. I'm going across. There we go. So Mark 5, starting at verse 25, says this. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent that all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. First point I want to make to you guys that we need to kind of get a grasp of or an understanding of is we're not fighting for victory, but we're fighting from a position of victory. See, we've got to start to think, uh, speak, respond in a manner that knowing that Jesus has already accomplished it all. We have that victory already. We don't have to fight for it. It's already there. You know, in this passage, we see that this woman who probably in the, you know, the biblical and cultural context of that time, having the, the issues that she had, the afflictions that she had, she would have been seen as someone who was unclean, someone who was unworthy of society. Yet she understood that the, the ability to change her circumstances wasn't found within herself, wasn't found within her own strength or knowledge or anything like that, that she had to make her way to Jesus. That was the only way that her, her life, her circumstances were going to change. And she looked beyond what probably society labelled her with and she saw her value in something else and she saw what she could be, that seeded potential within her if she could only reach Jesus. You see, God doesn't expect from us perfection. He doesn't expect us to have lives that are untainted by the world. But my opinion, he does expect excellence. So by excellence, I mean we need to start to live a life that is... uh, we make the decisions, we live out of a strength and understanding and knowledge for what we possess in that moment. Does that make sense? Knowing that if we stay in God, we'll continue to grow and mature. 
in our life. There's a, lot, there's a big difference between perfection and excellence. You know, God's love for us is not gauged by the level of trials or persecution we've journeyed through, nor is it diminished by the sin that we've committed. God's love for us doesn't change. The potential seeded within us doesn't change. It's always there. It's just whether or not we're brave enough to pick up and take what God has given us already and then uh, move with that. So our identity, our position in Christ is so vital in understanding and knowing to be able to grasp these opportunities and move and uh, flow with the Holy Spirit in this time. You know, an example of that, I can, uh, you know, I have two, two boys. They're getting a bit older now. And any parents here, uh, if you are parents, you'll probably understand this example I give you. When my kids were much younger, uh, you used to do, well, I used to do kind of tasks around the house. You'd kind of do jobs around the house. And quite often when the kids were much younger, they want to join in and help you. So, for example, you know, I would go out gardening and the boys would want to come out and help me garden. Now, your parents know that if your kids help you, it is going to take you 10 times as long to actually accomplish what you're going to do than if you're just doing it by yourself. But do you know what? I wouldn't change those moments for the world. It was an opportunity to spend that time with your kids. And yes, you might spend a lot of time kind of keeping an eye on them rather than doing what you're supposed to be doing. You might even have moments where you're frustrated, uh, moments where you're correcting them, those type of things. But it was my absolute pleasure, the absolute joy to work alongside with my kids and see the sense of achievement in their eyes and upon their face as they do that. Can I suggest to you that's how our Father, God, looks at us? That when he, he sees this sense of achievement, when he, we allow uh, him to, to work alongside us and us alongside him, there's, he, there's just that sheer joy and pleasure uh, in, upon our Father's face as we do that with him. You know, I, I, I'm convinced that there's probably many things in our lives and in the lives of those people around us that have still yet to be uh, accomplished, that remain unfulfilled because we have yet to capture the heart of God in that very purpose in which he's calling us to. The second point I want to make is the level of our expectation often uh, de- uh, determines the level of God's response. So I'd ask you, what kind of, or what level of expectation do you guys carry into each day for God to show up and move in your life and through your life? You know, these rare moments I talked about, we can't just sit back and wait for the next conference, the next, or for that particular person to pray for me. That opportunity is in each and every one of us. We carry that same spirit. So we don't need to wait for a special person or a special time. We can create that if we just have that expectation. You know, this woman, we read in that passage, this woman, she'd said to herself, for she thought, if I only touched the hem of his garments, she knew it was that expectation, if I could only get to him, My life can be changed. It's that big expectation. You know what? God loves when we expect big things from him. He loves it. I'm convinced of that. I shared uh, briefly uh, just last week in Ephesians 3.20, it talks about that God is able to do abundantly more than what we think or ask according to the power at work within us. God wants to work in those abundantly beyond areas of our life, but it is according to to the power at work in us. In other words, the depth in which God goes in us directly determines the extent in which he works through us. It's, it's about intimacy. So everything flows out of, out of that intimate connection uh, with God. 
You know, rarely do we ever see an answer to, to prayer or a miracle or move of God where our level of expectation does not allow us to behold God in that moment. We need to see God in that moment and understand that that's where our strength comes from. That's where the ability comes from. Third point I want to make, we've got to fly through it a little bit. So our response must move us towards God's presence. You know, expectation is a powerful thing, but it's only one part to the puzzle if we don't then respond in anticipation for what we're believing God for. So it's a response. We're called to respond to that. One of the um, stories, and I love this story, and I shared this yesterday with, uh, with the youth, and I can't remember if I read it or heard it, doesn't matter, it was a number of years ago. There's a story about a guy who walked into a shop, like a milk bar or something similar to that. So the shop attendant was the only other person in the store at the time. He bought what he needed to, to buy and kind of left the, the store and was walking down the footpath away from the store and he had this thought that just kept reoccurring in his mind. It's the idea of, you know, I need you, I want you to go back into that store and do a handstand. And this guy's thinking, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I don't know where this thought is coming from, but that's not you, God. But it was just persistent. It was absolutely persistent. The guy, he could not rid himself of that thought. So he got to a point where he just kind of threw his hands up and said, okay, God, if this is you, I'll respond. I'm going to look foolish, but I'll respond. So he turned around, walked back into the store. Of course, this uh, you know, store attendant's looking at him thinking, you were just in here a second ago. What are you doing back here again? The guy's walked, without saying, he's walked up, walked up to a wall, and did a handstand up against the wall. Now naturally this store assistant was looking at him at first with this kind of dazed confusion type thing. But after a second the this tears started running down the store assistant's face. Anyway the guy got down out of his handstand and they started talking. And it turns out that this, uh, this shop assistant wasn't a Christian. But was at a point was suffering so heavily from depression. Was suicidal and was going to actually you know, kill themselves that night had made that decision and had actually in a desperate cry had called out to God and said, God, if you are real, uh, I want someone to come in here and do a handstand. So, you know, there is, you know, this, this story said, think, I'm just going to think up the craziest thing. It's never going to happen, but it happened. But, you know, where would that person be if, this, if the, uh, the Christian guy walked out, hadn't responded? And as foolish as it may have felt. Now, I'm not saying that we start up a ministry of doing handstands around the place or anything like that. I'm not encouraging that. But I'm saying just recognize God's voice in that moment and then respond and know that he's taking care of it. As we move, as we respond, he's taking care of it. Even if we do look a little foolish. You know, this woman, as we read in that scripture, she had... Uh, this expectation but she still had to respond she had to push her way through the crowd and that's I would suggest to you that we find we face that same battle as we're trying to push our way through the crowd she's trying to you know she'd be bumping into people probably stepping on toes but her focus was upon meeting God in that moment and allowing him to bring about that all that she had hoped for you know our crowd could be that we're filled with fear or we're you know, fear of what people might think or say about us. We're filled with pride. These are the things, these are the crowds that we battle against, aren't they, sometimes? And it's just, you know what, those things are always going to come up. But are we going to respond in anticipation for what we're believing God 
4. The fourth thing I want to make, uh, just want to share with you, and this is the last thing. If you're in a place where you are struggling with faith, that whole idea of faith, Jesus had uh, shared some important um, principles, I believe, uh, in this scripture. So if you've got your Bibles again, we'll turn to Mark 8. So it's not too far on from where we were before. So we'll just read this scripture together. It says, leaving them. So, sorry, leading up to this, Jesus was teaching the people of Pharisees that arrived. Obviously, the Pharisees are very slow learners. They tried to kind of trick him. Uh, but Jesus does what he does, put them in their place. And now we come to this point where Jesus is leaving that time of teaching, he and the disciples, and they're getting into a boat and they're going across the lake. So we pick it up from there, from verse 13. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying... This is Jesus was giving orders to the disciples, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember... When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? The disciples said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he's saying to them, do you not yet understand? There's some great principles in this uh, verse. That uh, Jesus said the disciples had uh, lost sight of that or lost that spiritual awareness that they had. And when Jesus was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod, obviously he was talking about spiritual matters, he was talking about matters of the heart. But the disciples didn't pick on one. They automatically they kind of fell back to that whole idea of, well, he's talking about food. We didn't bring enough food with us. The material things, the worldly things. And Jesus perceived this. So he asked them three questions that actually brought them back to that spiritual, that place of spiritual awareness and instilling that, fear, uh, that faith again in our lives. So I'd encourage you, as I said, if you're struggling with faith, and we all go through those times, those peaks and troughs of times where we're on fire and other times we just seem to struggle. That's just life, isn't it? But if you do find yourself... In that place, there are three questions. He first, Jesus first said, having eyes, do you not see? He's asking the disciples, have you lost sight of the miraculous? Have you lost sight of what God is doing here and now? He's going, okay, well, all right, you've lost sight. That's okay. Having ears, can you hear? He's going, can you hear what God is saying to you, what he's speaking to you in this moment, what he's calling you into? He's going, okay, well, you've lost your sight. You've lost your hearing, your ability to hear God. Because do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember the past victories? Do you remember the times that God showed up and brought a change, not only into your life, but the lives of those around you? He worked within you and through you. Do you remember those times? I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with your faith, 
Remember the times. Look back. Remember the times when God did show up in your life. And maybe sometimes we can have this, uh, our, our thoughts can be a bit clouded at times and we maybe overanalyze things. I don't know that we might struggle to even think of those things. Well, remember the times when God showed up in your family's life, in your friend's life. Because you know what? The victory that we share as one body, God is obviously one who loves community. We're called to one body, one mind, one heart, one accord and all that we do. And I would suggest to you that the victory in one person, we have that ability to share in that victory with everyone because of that sense of community. So do you remember the victories? If you remember those things, you'll find faith starting to stir up within you again. See, Psalm 111 verse 2 says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. We remind ourselves continually of what God has done because God is one who loves to reproduce, isn't He? What's on God's heart, He desires to do again and do again through us and even greater things. We have these promises. You know what? This Word is our legal binding contract with God. Every word, every promise, every blessing is ours already. Whether we receive it is up to us. This is our contract. You know what? You can hold God to His Word. So I'd encourage you that if you are struggling in that area of, uh, of your life in faith, just remember, remember what He's done. You know, one thing I've learned is that faith, faith isn't ignorant of reality. Faith just knows how to defy it. Does that make sense? Yeah? Faith knows how to defy it. So no matter what is before you, what you see, no matter what the circumstances are, faith knows how to work its way around that and bring about uh, the things upon God's heart. And it's that, uh, that joy that He has in working in and through us as we go uh, through our daily lives. So I want to encourage you, we've got to carry, we carry that presence of God with us. We just need to begin to be aware of that presence in each moment and all that we do. So what we're going to do now, we're just going to pray. We're going to ask God just to really speak to our, into our lives. And I know God may have a, a unique word or promise for each one of you. And we want to pray that into existence and see that become manifest in your life as you journey with Him. So just bow your heads and we'll pray together. Father, we just want to bless you. We want to thank you for your love, your unconditional love for all that you've done for us, Lord God. And yet, Father, we know that there is so much more yet you desire to do within us. And as I'd asked before, that Holy Spirit, you would come upon us, that you would baptize us afresh in your fire and your presence, that you would begin to move within us, Lord God. And you draw out of us those gifts, those talents that you have placed within us, you've seated within us the very purpose for our existence, Lord God. And that we be people who are about your kingdom business, Lord God, continually moving and seeking and finding you in every moment of every day, not waiting for the next big conference or anything like that, Lord God, but in each moment of every day, Lord God, we would begin to see you, that you would open up our eyes, our hearts to the moving of your spirit, 
and that we would be filled with that courage to respond, to respond to you and see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We bless you, Father. We love you, God. Amen. trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.